Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Wow. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And let me just tell you, we have got an amazing show for you tonight. Um, You know, many of you have heard me interview people over the past seven, eight years and really talk to folks about the incredible journeys they've had, the challenges they've had, and, and some of the just amazing things that they've been able to do with their lives. And... I certainly get to meet some courageous people along the way. But I want to tell you, tonight's show really sets the standard for a whole new way to relate to what it means to live life full out, how to move beyond challenges, and how to then live in that place of joy, be in that place of sorrow, and know that there is a journey that is so, so very special when that journey is built upon a foundation of love. Tonight, you're going to hear about 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows, a couple's journey through Alzheimer's. And what I want to say about that is much has been said about the big C. There's a television show uh, that really captures the big C, but there's nothing that talks about the big A And it is really one of those illnesses that people just want to keep avoiding, don't want to talk about. But I want to tell you, I'm going to introduce you to somebody tonight who's going to shine a different light, somebody who has had an incredible journey, the journey of uh, Olivia and her husband, Harrison. You're going to hear about what that journey was like, how it starts, what some of the challenges are as you go through it. And more importantly, what kind of amazing resilience do you build? How does spirituality help along the way? What is a spiritual discipline and much more? Olivia is joining us here today. Olivia Hobbitzel is joining us here today because, honestly, she has written a phenomenal book. And she's going to talk about what it means to face some of the greatest challenges any of us will ever face. How do we continue to live with that level of acceptance, that peaceful heart? And it is such an honor to have Olivia join me on the show today. She has an incredible background in psychology and Buddhist meditation and and some of the most ancient wisdom traditions. Here, all of that set the stage for her in this incredible memoir to be able to talk about what her life, her journey, and her journey with an amazing man means in this world today. How do we get past the experience of Alzheimer? How, how do we grow in wisdom? And how do we deepen our love? So I hope you're ready to join us, to join Olivia, to, to, to join me on a very personal, a very passionate, and a very telling story. Olivia, it is so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, Pat, thank you for what you just said. I, I feel inspired at this end of the, <laughs> at my end of things and love the perspective that you bring to your show. So I feel honored to be with you. Mm. Well, you know, I, 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 I made a comment and I want to start with the comment I made. I mean, there is a, a, a lot of talk about the big C. And that's a television show. I think it's on HBO, and it's about cancer. But, you know, no one has had the guts to date to do a show on the big A. And what I mean by that, there have been a couple of movies that have been out to, you know, try to capture what this journey has been like. And so I want to start out 
by asking you uh, how you would depict the journey that two people go through when we begin to look at what I call the big A, what many people call Alzheimer's. What is it like to reflect back now? If you had to, to characterize this journey, how would you talk about it? Profound question indeed. I would say that uh, by every measure, it was the most challenging experience of my whole life, and I called my husband, his name was Harrison, but I called him Hobbs, so I'll refer to him that way, Yeah, certainly that he ever went through, and yet I think because of our background, and it's what led me to write the book, uh, I, we saw it as an opportunity for growth or for living more consciously, even as he was going through this process of diminishment. So it's partly the frame that you put around it. It's the perspective of which you look at something. Mm-hmm. And because we had a shared background in both psychology and meditation of many, you know, 35 years, uh, it gave us the skills, I think, to bring a kind of consciousness to this journey of Alzheimer's that was somewhat unique. And that's why I had to write about it. I mean, I felt this very strong call. But how do you how do you live through such a thing? Well, moment by moment by moment. Mm-hmm. And if you have some kind of a spiritual anchor, it helps enormously to negotiate those really difficult moments because there are sure many of them. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll just start with that much of an answer, but we can go on from there. I think it's a great start, actually. You know, I, I uh, you know, I, I love that we're starting at this place because there are many people, and you know this to be true, right? There are many people right now that are wondering how they're going to pay their bills, that are agonizing because the collectors keep calling them, you know, that are worrying about whether their stock market uh, or uh, prices today have made it or not. And, and you know, what I would say about that is that they could uh, benefit from reading your book and mm-hmm. could benefit from what we're talking about tonight. Because mm-hmm. to begin at the place of spirituality mm-hmm. is such, if you start there, there's no doubt that you'll be able to finish magnificently, don't you think? I do think, and I don't think it matters at all which tradition you practice in, whether you're mm-hmm. a Christian, a Protestant, a Catholic, a Jew, a Muslim, uh, maybe a Buddhist, it doesn't matter. It Because all of these great traditions uh, give us a perspective, a higher perspective, uh, with which to look at our lives. And that's what they're inviting us to do. And so I would just encourage anybody who's got even remote threads, <laughs> remote spiritual threads, to find some ways to bring them to life because they really support you when life gets really tough like this. That, you know, I just, I feel very passionately about it, Pat, because it was really what enabled Hob and me to get through. Uh, and for him, it was about six years. The first three weren't so hard. He kept, he went on teaching and ha- handling a lot of his, you know, personal affairs. But the last three got really challenging. And I felt that we kept going, turning back to what we knew of our own spiritual experience to draw strength and feel that foundation under us. And that was our source of inspiration. And I I want to ask you about this. How beautiful, Olivia, I I have to tell you, uh, how beautiful that you could share that level of uh, connectedness. Let me just call it that, connectedness, with somebody for 35 years because it is such a profound um, meaning uh, to life when you can sit down and h- hardly ever even say anything to anyone and know that you're both blessed and blessed from a philosophy that you both share. Well, you know, you use this word bless, and I have to tell you that one of the people I went to at the very beginning was one of my spiritual teachers because I knew he would have some really important things to say about this. And He's the one who said, you know, any situation can be a source of growth. And he said, it's difficult, it's, it's difficult, but see it as a training, as a teaching, and as a blessing. And at the time, Pat, I thought, what does he mean by the blessing part? Right, I get it. You know, but 
um, there were times as we went along when I did see the blessings, you know, the blessings of a tender moment, the blessings of a moment in nature, the blessings of being able to laugh when you can't remember a word or you make fun of the way you're forgetting it. I mean, you know, you, you, you make light of the situation. And so uh, those are the blessings. And I think there's understandably an enormous amount of fear in our culture uh, about losing the mind. I mean, it's sort of our sense of who we are. And yet there sometimes are... Um, what should I say, a kind of softening that come for some people. Some people who've been very hard and judgmental sometimes become soft and loving. It can work the other way, too, so I don't want to be um, unrealistic about it. But there are blessings there. And he said to me, you know, taking care of your husband will become a meditation for you. Now, that's an extraordinary statement. And if Yes, you, it is. Yeah, if you have um, a goal, let's say, or a wish to live life mindfully with mindfulness, which is the heart of every great spiritual tradition, you know, it's called practicing the presence in Christianity, then you see when you remember it, which of course a lot of the time I didn't, but uh, you can see even the simplest act is an act of generosity or kindness, and those are, and compassion and all those positive qualities, and th- those are those are all spiritual perspectives. Mm. You know, there is um, there are many laws and many principles, and and for me, uh, uncovering my own spiritual practice was one of the greatest awarenesses I, I uh, that I could have possibly had in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I discovered, and I wanted to ask you about this, I wanted to ask you what it was like for you to hear that diagnosis. And and what I mean by that is, what was it like for you at all different levels? Because there's a practice that I have as well, which I think is pretty much in line with you. And one of the laws is the law of good. And it says that the law of good is continuously operating in my life. And yet, when you say the word Alzheimer or mm-hmm. Alzheimer's or even begin to say it, Many people cannot see the good beyond that word. How did well, you do that? Well, it's really, really difficult because you know that it's an illness that's going to lead eventually to death. You know, mm-hmm. so you've got that. It's a life-threatening illness. So you've got that level. You've got the level of unknown uh, because it's the loss of the mind instead of, say, physical decline through something like cancer. Uh, but, um, but, well, that moment, I, of course, remember it vividly. I can remember us walking out of the clinic, and we were holding hands, and I realized, okay, we're on the beginning of a new phase of our journey together, and may we make the best of it. I think I sort of prayed or something, because my mother had had Alzheimer's, and rather mm-hmm. early in this epidemic, and... They didn't really have all the ways to deal with it that they now have, and she had a really hard time. So I'd already been through this once. Mm. And then as I contemplated it, I realized, you know, at some level we must have made a soul agreement to go through this together. In other words, I looked at sort of the bigger picture of destiny, if you will, or karma, if you want to use that word, that this wasn't an accident. This was what we were given so the big question in life is what do we do with what life hands to us? And that's where we have a lot of free will, if you will, <laughs> in how we respond to it. And it's very easy to sink and to go down and to get depressed and all the things that we know all too well. But if you switch the, the frame a little bit, you know, well, what are we going to learn from this? What are, the, what are the lessons? And, you know, he and I did talk at the beginning about how can we do this consciously. And that, of course, rose out of our having a meditation practice and trying to live mindfully and with awareness. Could we bring that same level of attention to this process? And that gave it meaning. You know, it, it, just listening to you talk about this is really... Um, 
really the voice of a profound lesson for all of us. And not just about this. I think, um, Olivia, I think your, your message is so needed today in the world across the board because there are so many people, millions and millions of people facing challenges out there in the world today. And uh, I would say many of them not, not even coming close to what you and I are talking about tonight. But mm-hmm. the, n- needless to say, still challenges. Mm-hmm. And some folks really see the death of their lives in some way. And I wanted to talk about this. What was the conversation that you and Hob had uh, about death? How did you talk about it? What was what was his view of this? Well, I'm so glad you're asking this because, you know, we live in such a phobic culture when it comes to issues of death and dying. Oh, I know. We're getting a little bit better, but, boy, we sure have a long way to come. And we were blessed in this way, too, because um, we'd been trained as hospice workers, and he taught the course on death and dying at um, Leslie University, which is here um, in Massachusetts. And we found ourselves sort of called around friends who were at the end of their journey. So it was, for us, a very familiar, it was familiar territory. And also, if you have a, a regular spiritual practice, especially, well, a meditation practice, you know it's a lot about Sitting with whatever comes up, uh, letting it, letting it, looking at it, feeling it, letting it go, moving on. It's a lot about letting go. It's about developing a kind of core of resilience, if you will. And I think part of it involves a real acceptance that death is a part of life. And unfortunately, this culture puts all of our suffering and death and dying behind institutional walls. So we don't see it as part of life. We see it as something set apart. And I don't think Hob and I did. I, so we were able to talk about it. And at one point he was talking about wanting to end his life early. Mm. And that was a really, that was a really tough one. And we, yeah. he even turned to our very dear friends and brought it up in a small group. And it became the subject of the group. And then... We talked further with a friend who's a rabbi and his wife, who's a she's not ordained, but she's a she's a minister, uh, a lay minister, and they were so wonderful just listening to Hob talking about this. And the final intervention had to do with um, music because Hob loved; he was very musical, and he still loved music, and he still played the guitar. And so our friend said, "Well." As long as that's the case, you belong here. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) And so, in fact, he didn't talk about it for another year and a half. And I I just want to say it was an open topic between us. So Mm -hmm. one of our conversations uh, had to do with, well, if he wanted to go early, how was he going to do it? And he said, well, I think I'll fast. Now, when he finally had a, a major stroke at the end, uh, at some point, he started to eat less and less and finally stopped. So I, I know we weren't talking then, but I, I know he carried out his intention. So just to summarize, I would say we were very fortunate to be able to deal very openly with the subject of dying. And that's really pretty unusual. Mm. You know, I'm so struck by this idea of acceptance and resistance. You know, they, they live on two different ends of a continuum, right? They sure do. They sure do. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I'm sure you probably went back and forth just about to every point, uh, thereof in between and then beyond. Uh, in, I, I want to talk for a minute about what this was like for you. And, and what I mean by that is, how did you preserve Olivia? And you know, how did you, maintain the sense of you, your identity? And did you at some point in time lose sight of who you were? Well, no, I didn't lose sight of who I was, but I can tell you a few really hard things that happened. I, at some point, began to think maybe I had Alzheimer's Mm. because um, 
as you know, stress affects memory. And, you know, I find myself reaching for words and forgetting things. And, um, of course, it was just because I was under so much strain. And it affected my sleep, and um, I got very worn down. And all those things happened. There were times when I would get very frustrated. I mean, I want to be realistic. That's where the title comes in, you know, 10,000 Joys and Sorrows. Mm-hmm. They were both there. But isn't that life, Pat? It's, it's yes. that continuum that you're talking about. And there were times, well, let me look at one side of it, which was how I took care of myself. I turned to friends. I, um, I, I wrote intermittently. A, I wrote down what was going on, which then, of course, became the book. Um, I took an art class, and I exercised. That was really important to keep a regular um, exercise being part of my life and tried to get into the garden or into nature, take a walk. And that was how I kept things together, and then I fell apart. (laughs) To be perfectly honest, of course you fall apart, and you're dealing with grief because you keep getting these little hits as you realize that your beloved is suffering one more loss. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes the sort of inner steam would build up so much that I would find some way to leave and get in my car and go, and I would just roar, just make sound, because I just had to let it out. And then I would break down, and because I think tears are so important to accept that that's part of our humanness. Mm-hmm. So I want to. I hope I'm giving you a feel of the range of what I oh, went yes. through. But I did. Oh, yes. I didn't. I didn't get lost. Um, I got frayed and tired, and um, tested beyond belief. But I think again because of that core of spiritual practice, mm-hmm. that that's what held the center. Right. And and don't you also think, Olivia, that because you both came from that strength from a higher source, that place, because both of you were kind of on the same page with this, not kind of, you were, yeah. that that made whatever came up at different points in time, it, it kind of gave you a beautiful, loving frame of reference, didn't it? Oh, it really did. And, you know, we went on meditating together pretty regularly and um, somebody asked him well what is it like for you now to meditate and he laughed and he said well it's easier because there aren't so many thoughts (laughs) (laughs) you know so uh, we did have that to share and we did have the wisdom of in our case our Christian roots and our Buddhist practice uh, to it was like it was like the foundation under the whole thing because when you have a committed relationship with a wisdom tradition like that, it, it's your frame of reference. And that's what gives you inspiration and support. It is, uh, it, it is actually a profound journey. I just want to mention to all of you tuning into the Dr. Pat show right now, if you've missed any part of this at all, I want to make sure that you know that this archive is going to be up because um, – this is not only a profound journey and conversation, but the book is amazing and outstanding. 10,000 Joys and 10,000 Sorrows, A Couple's Journey uh, Through Alzheimer's. And joining me here today is Olivia uh, Hoblitzel, who is the author of the book. And this is part of her journey, her journey with Hob. And um, we're going to be talking about... Uh, what this means, 5.3 million Americans currently suffering from the disease, but that doesn't even begin to capture what the journey is like for the other 11 million caregivers and family members that are watching the transition, that are such a part of it. And Olivia has so beautifully captured and has some answers for all of us tonight. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the book. You know, what are some of the lessons that we can all learn from this? And how can we take the lessons that Olivia shares and apply them to our lives? But when we come back from break, we're going to talk about the book. And we're going to talk about what it means to be able to capture the essence of love in action. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. 
Do you know how to achieve wellness in all areas of your life? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Signs of wellness are a capacity to love and ability to nurture, a sense of purpose, a good sense of humor and plenty of fun in your life, a concern for others and a respect for the environment, a conscious commitment to personal excellence, a sense of balance and integrated lifestyle, and capacity to cope with whatever life presents. Well, people enjoy their lives and want them to last as long as possible. That's why the wellness mindset usually accompanies other constructive healthy lifestyle habits. By adopting a wellness mindset and behaviors like eating well, taking the right nutrition for the body, exercising, and saying affirmations are just a few things to structure a healthy system of values and beliefs. With CRA, I will be your wellness coach to help you achieve a wellness lifestyle. Call us at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. And visit us at maryjanemack.com. Are you tired of hanging on to things in your life that hold you back? Get ready to reclaim your fearless nature with Annette Bingham. Annette has been a catalyst for helping people achieve maximum results. Known for her breakthrough approaches, she will assist you to unleash your true power. Her unique distance healing techniques have been empowering people globally. Get ready for a life-changing event to step into your fearless nature. For more information, visit AnnetteBingham.com or call 432-770-4062. Do you ever get so frazzled you find it difficult to function? Many people are experiencing more stress and fear than ever. When we react from this place of fear and stress, we end up damaging relationships and creating more grief in our lives. Lynette McKenzie has a solution for you. The Energy Emergency Toolkit. Ten easy tools to go from frazzled to fantastic in five minutes. Visit OpenLiveNow.com and download your free Energy Emergency Toolkit and go from frazzled to fantastic now. After a 15-year search for a truly delicious, healthy, easy-to-prepare organic meal, Savitri and Adil Pakivala founded Eastern Essence. They set out to do what their friends and business acquaintances thought impossible, to produce delicious, healthy, vital food grown in harmony with nature and to promote organic farming in India. Happy food, happy people, happy planet. For more information, go to easternessence.com. That's easternessence.com. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at maryjanemack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit maryjanemack.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. You know, if you've missed any part of this, um, you are welcome to listen to the archive. It should be up in a, several days. You can go to the drpatshow.com or drpatlive.com. You know, if you want a copy of the book, it's available everywhere, 10,000 Joys and 10,000 Sorrows. But I want to direct you to Olivia's website uh, and make sure that you go there. And let me tell you why I think this is a great place for you to go. Because uh, Olivia is a she writes beautifully. You can, when you read this book, when you all get this book and read it, you're going to feel like I felt when I was reading it. You're going to feel you are right there with Olivia and Hobb. You're going to believe you're right there. You're going to be able to relate to your life, to whatever's going on. Perhaps you have a parent that is exactly where Olivia and Hobb are right now. But the point is this. You're going to want to sit down and absorb the beauty of what she discovered. The website that you can go to is www.10,000joysandsorrows.com and spell that out. That's 10,000joysandsorrows.com. And certainly you're going to see lots of information um, there are even more articles and resources for you on this website. So lots for you to find out about, but nothing so beautiful as the story between Olivia and Hobb. Olivia, thank you for joining me here today. It's wonderful to have you on the show. 
Well, I'm just honored to be with you, Pat. I mentioned that um, I would love to talk with you about the book, and and let me just let me just uh, explain why. As I read through the book, and I sh- I laughed with you. I cried with you, and not just with you, with you and Hop. Uh, there were moments in the book where I had to go back and reread some of the information, um, the sorrow, the joys, and you wrote about these so beautifully. I mean, you described a cold morning, and I felt the chill in the air. This is so beautifully written. And at the end, you put something in here that's called seed thoughts. Mm. And I remember one of them, and I actually have it here. You say, I need to take care of myself. Let me practice calm awareness for both of us. May I appreciate our special moments. You know what? If everybody on the planet were to read that and then practice it, we could create a profound ripple effect for the greater good that would be irreversible. So I want to ask you about the writing of the book and what this was like for you to put all of this in writing. And I I wonder if you know, Olivia, how profound your writing is in this book. I I wonder if you realize it. Well, thank you. You know, I'm letting that in, and I have to say that the... uh, experience of writing it was so strong it was sometimes very hard but i it was a call i couldn't refuse and in fact i knew fairly early on because i saw how hob how my husband was handling it and what was unusual about it was well he had a wonderful sense of humor and he loved to play with words and so when they started to go he kind of made light of that so sometimes um you know, well, he'd mix things up and he'd say, what's the name of this disease I have? Is it called horse blinders? blinders. (laughs) And, you know, that's a place where we both burst out laughing because, you know, he couldn't think of the word Alzheimer's, but horse blinders, it rhymes, it scans, and it even has the feeling of being slightly, you know, limited. You can't see. You put blinders on a horse. It's like you've got blinders on your mind. So, you know, things like that would happen. Um, or he'd say, I feel like someone's taken the wheels off my roller skates. You know, it's like, <laughs> and we burst out laughing. Well, anyway, about the writing, um, I would write some of these things down. And when we were getting close to the end, and we knew that because he had a major stroke, I remember sitting by him one night, and I put my hand on top of his, and I said, you know, I want to make you a promise. I'm going to write a book about this, about how we've handled this, and you know I've been writing, and your voice is going to be in this book. And, you know, Pat, it was like a covenant between the two of us, and I could never have not written a book. Nothing like a double negative. But anyway, (laughs) I felt really that um, what we had learned was to be shared with other people. And so um, that's why there are those sections at the end of each chapter that are called um, reflections and suggestions and seed thoughts because there are lots of things for caregivers or for families, whoever is dealing with somebody with, uh, well, any illness that are meant to be helpful and provide guidance. So that became part of the writing, too. So I'm not sure I've fully answered your question, but absolutely you have. Oh. I mean, I, I have, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that I that I that I mentioned to you, and I, I really want to talk about this, is that as I read through the book, and definitely as I became a student of yours, and I will say this, I became a student of yours hmm. because I think all of us have gone through loss. I've hmm. talked a bit this, about this openly on air that. 2009 for me was the was the one of the most challenging years of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I was very ill myself. Mm-hmm. I had a relationship end because you know, unlike you, it's hard to be with somebody that may have a chronic or terminal illness. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. But 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 my spirituality really 
pulled me up in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you did answer my question. But what I mean by becoming a student is you have planted the seeds for so many nuggets of wisdom that there's a lesson far beyond, Mm -hmm. you know, your journey with Hob and Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. And I wanted to ask you if that's something that you intended to do in writing the book or, or, or did it simply just happen? Well, I certainly, in writing the book, I mean, it was part of my own healing from something so big, but it was very much with the intention of how can this be helpful for other people? How can we share what we've discovered so that their journeys might be easier? And so in that, and, and I'm a teacher by heart. I mean, we both, that's been our life work. Uh, so that was a very strong motivation, that part of it. I don't think I realized um, how helpful it was being. You know, I, that, that was, that's been a delightful surprise to hear people say, oh, you know, hear somebody who's a hospice director say, oh, this, this is a Bible for anybody who's dealing with any end-of-life issues. And that's been a complete surprise to me. But heartening it's just almost beyond me do you know it's not an ego thing at all it's how can we help each other in the world today we need to be um coming together we need to be collaborating we need to be sharing our wisdom we you, you know we need it's part of this whole paradigm shift that you speak about on your website and i i feel this is part of it i think we're all kind of waking up to what we can give to each other, and um, we just have to have generous hearts and reach out and take risks. Yeah, we and do. Think, yeah. Yeah. I love what you said. Let's talk about taking risks for a minute, um, because uh, uh, I, as I said to you, 2009 was one of the most challenging years. 2010 was one of the most expansive years. I mean, mm-hmm. we've launched so many things. We're reaching so many people. And 2011, you know, uh, is is such a, I look at it as such a year for synthesis. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. You know, how would you advise the people listening to the show to, uh, many people would say to you, Olivia, how, how would you advise people to make sense of this? I'm going to ask you, how would you advise people to synthesize this or synthesize the lessons and the joys and the sorrows from the challenges in life? And how would they, and this, how would they deal with the joys and the sorrows of life? How, how would they synthesize it? How would you integrate? Oh, synthesize it. Yeah, you know, because today I'm joyful, tomorrow I'm, I'm sad. But there's something that that you both did Mm -hmm. to blend this together Mm -hmm. so that the journey had holistic meaning. Well, I think that um, it's so much the acceptance of our humanness. Do you know that, that, that sorrows are inevitably a part of life? And I think it sometimes happens that it's only when we can look back on them that we see, oh, that's what that opened for me, or that's how I deepened because I had to let a relationship go, as you just mentioned, or I've, I've had to deal with a serious illness, um, it, it's a wake-up call, and so it, it, it unsettles us, and it makes, it makes for huge challenges. So there's that part of it, but then there, are the, then there are the joys of, say, reaching out and a friend coming to help, or um, the joy of the sun coming out or, you know, it's, it's just life is a great tapestry of joys and sorrows. And I think, again, coming back to if we give some time to our inner life, whatever form it takes, then we have this inner balance point where we can manage the extremes of the joys and the sorrows with greater equanimity, not denying the hard feelings because we must feel what comes up in us but um, uh, realizing that's part of life and that the joys will be there too do you know so it's a it's a balancing act for sure it it really is a balancing act and I you know and I'm sure when we're in the quick of it right when you're in the middle of it there's not a whole lot that you 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 don't sit down and say wow how am I going to act to this and so 
so what do you believe, what do you believe, Olivia? What do you believe is one of the core actions that the listeners need to think about taking so that they could build that foundation, that foundation which kept you both together in such a beautiful and loving way? What do all of us need to learn from this experience so that we can have that same love show up when the challenges in life show up? Well, that's a big question. I um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a really big question. Uh, there, there are a couple of things that come to my mind. One is that I happen to feel that we come into a life to learn how to learn about loving. And it takes obviously many, many forms. But, you know, the love of friends, family, that families can be very difficult. Uh, but the love of an animal, the love of beauty, whatever. But we're supposed to be learning how to love. And so, and there's risks in that. You know, I don't know why this subject of risk is up, but there, but, but can we risk? We all just long to have connection with other people. We all long for kind words and just somebody who cares. Can we make those, take those risks in our lives? So that's, that's one thing. How do we live from the heart center? I don't mean the physical heart. I mean the place where you put your hand in the center of your chest when you feel something deeply. Mm-hmm. That's the place we want to be living from. And um, that certainly would be one of my answers. Another one would be because we live in s- such an overly busy, sort of crazy society with everybody texting and emailing and running around that we get very far from ourselves. And I think having a time in the day when you just stop all that and you turn with, you get quiet, you you find some way to restore your inner balance, I think that's a very core practice. And for each of us, it'll take a different form. I think we could talk about this question for about five days. <laughs> I think we could probably spend five lifetimes talking about it and then still fine-tuning it because every day we become a little bit wiser and so our perspective perhaps changes. And, you know, yes. then we get to actually practice. Uh, yes. I, I mean, let's talk about it. We get to practice mm-hmm. the idea of how to face challenges, how to face death and dying, mm-hmm. you know, how to move beyond uh, the bill collector that may be calling us. Mm-hmm. But it all boils down to where the where we started, and that's really the place that I want to, to bring us to now. Mm-hmm. And that is the place of spiritual practice mm-hmm. and trusting in the spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to have a spiritual practice, mm-hmm. but it's another thing to be able to trust mm-hmm. in what you believe. Don't you think? Well, I do, and I think... Um... I tend to find myself talking about having trust in the universe, a kind of big, grandiose idea, but it's... it's I love that. (laughs) Well, I think you were talking about the good earlier. Yes. The thing is, it's really hard when a lot of adversity comes at you. You know, a major illness, a sudden loss, the loss of a child. I mean, these are the most heroic tests of human life, and... You know, I don't want to sound like a, a cockeyed optimist, but because obviously we all lose it, we all lose it. We we you know we sink, we we struggle. That's part of life too. And I think it's important not to judge ourselves when those times come along, because that's sort of the rich soil out of which new grow things grow. We don't see it when we're in the middle of it. You know, we're too lost in it. But again because you wanted to bring it back to a spiritual perspective, I think that kind of perspective helps to sustain you through those hard times. You sort of know this is going to, this is going to change. The great law of life is impermanence. It, it, it won't always be like this. So I, it brings me back again to living mindfully with awareness sort of moment to moment. Uh, and, tipping our perspective towards what's hopeful and positive whenever we can. And, you know, and, and that is really the, the greatest place for us to, to speak right now. And that is bringing it back to this, this idea of being able to create 
our own and mental, spiritual, body, mind, spirit, uh, let's just call it environment for now. Because many people have said, wow, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this economy. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this loss. But let me ask you this question, Olivia. Uh, In the end, doesn't it really begin within? And can we truly create the joy and the love regardless of what's going on on the outside? Uh, Yes. Um, I, you could hear a slight hesitance there. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of I'm thinking of one friend who has um, an extraordinary ability. It's her lightness. It's her having stepped out of. I, I love this idea of stepping out of your struggle with life. You know, yeah. we were talking about resistance earlier, mm-hmm. and I think we we fall into a lot of our own traps because we we we, we struggle with life. We want it to be different than what's happening and. The acceptance of what happen of what's happening in our lives is a is a huge first step, do you know? Because then we're not struggling. We're saying this is hard, but this is what's happening now. What can I do with this? So um, that's that would be that would be the beginning of an answer. Uh, but but go on with the question. Well, and you know, I think the beginning of the answer is really the the place to really leave this because I think each of us and I and you talk about this in the book many many places actually you say it differently but we're all on our own individual journey mm-hmm. so this is not a we don't have a cookie cutter that no. says oh today this is uh, we're all on this star shaped journey mm-hmm. and so I want to ask you if you were a fairy tale. If the story of Olivia were a fairy tale, what would the title be? Of a fairy tale? Mm-hmm. That describes your life. Oh my goodness! What a what a tremendous question. Um, <laughs> I, you can tell I have you can tell I have really good fun doing my can show, talk, can't can you? Can we talk next week? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know um, what? We could actually come back next week and talk. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing because I really would have to think about that one. I I um uh I can't come up with a title, but it would have certain aspects to it. If I can, can just play with it for a minute, that life is sure. a, there's a there's a wonder, wondrously mysterious dimension to life, and I I I think of myself sort of humbly as a mystic because I love the mystery. And it's something about living with a great sense of um, excitement and engagement and discovery about what life is and and its wonders and its puzzlements and its all these dimensions that there's so much more, I think, than we have any idea of, of, of what's possible and ways to communicate and the power of dreams. I mean, I could go on and on mm. because to me this is all part of the rich fabric of life. So I don't know what the title or what the fairy tale would be, but it has definitely the theme of discovery and this is one hell of an adventure, this life. <laughs> it's got that feel to it. Am I conveying something of it? Absolutely. You know, this is one hell of an adventure, so fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> 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 and and you know there we are we're laughing and I have to say that that humor and finding the lightness in situations is really a gift and it's not always possible obviously but boy when it's there there's a kind of release of that tightening or that crust that you talk about yes there's a, there's a kind of a breaking free that makes us feel expanded and and sort of liberated you know momentarily. Absolutely. And how wonderful is that? It is wonderful because it helps us bust free of some of the, the, you know, some of the things that do show up in life. And you're right. And, and that's why I said to you when I was reading 10,000 Joys and 10,000 Sorrows, there were moments where the tears were just coming out of my eyes. Mm-hmm. But there were other moments where I, I just had a big old smile on my face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have to thank you so much for being this honest 
so that all of us can be inspired to live our best life. I, I want to thank you so much, Olivia, for doing that. And I want to thank, you know, Hob uh, and you as well for presenting a story, a journey that has so many lessons. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, thank you, Pat. It's really been special to be with you. I've enjoyed our talk enormously. I feel it could go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to give you one last chance. I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing your personal message for with our listeners tonight. What would you like to leave us all with, Olivia? With a personal message. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it would be to have a very deep trust in yourself that we all can rise to occasions that we might not think we can rise to and to trust your heart, and I've got my hand on my heart center, to know that that's the core place from which we can live and that is always available to us. And that's the innermost being, if you will, of each of us, and it's unique to who you are, and to to have faith and trust in it, and that you can always be growing into it more fully with each day that you live. Something like that would be my my message, and and it would be also uh, crowned with blessings. I have to say, blessings for to everyone in in their journey. Unbelievable. Olivia, thank you so much. I hope we will get another chance to speak. And I so love supporting you and your message. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Pat. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. If you've missed any part of this, please go back and listen to the archive. But what I will say, if if you or anyone you know is facing the challenge of a loved one that has heard the words, you have Alzheimer's, please run out and get this book for them. 10,000 Joys and 10,000 Sorrows. And for those of you that want to understand what these seeds are, how to live life in a completely spiritual level, that will bring love regardless of what's going on in the outside world, run out and get 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. Much love to all of you tuning us in and turning us on. You're the best listeners on the planet. I love you dearly. Let's live life full out together. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show. Strange soul for you.